So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. It took a lot to say, no, you're not the one that fixes the car. Go ahead, go look at this building today. Or no, you know, you're not the one fixing the car. You know, try to get a hold of another vendor. Make parts deliveries a little easier. Uh, Just whatever it took, being disciplined with a little bit of time every day. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast. And I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. What if you had to start over? scratch. Like one day you have a shop and the next day you don't. Where would you start? What resources would you pull from? From buildings to contracts to hiring to marketing, as anyone who's opened a shop from scratch can tell you, it's a massive undertaking. But this is the situation that Glenn Todd of Glenn's European Auto Repair in Pennsylvania found himself in. Glenn pulled on his resources, his mentors, his friends, and an incredible self-discipline to create an almost instantly profitable shop in just months. On this episode, Glenn will share this wild story and in the process, share some incredible clues that you can use in your shop, whether you're just starting out or decades in. You don't want to miss this one, so stay tuned. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Glenn, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, man. I'm really happy to have you on here. Awesome. Glad to be here. Yeah. You and I, uh, we go back a ways. We know each other well. And so uh, I'm really excited about this interview because I feel like it's going to help a lot of people. You have an amazing, compelling story. So I'm grateful that we're able to do this together. Uh, now, I know you well, but a lot of folks, they may not know you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry. Um, I've been a technician um, pretty much as long as I can remember. Um, I've always had an interest in cars. Um, and, and basically, for me, it was just a, a, a way to get myself started and moving in the world. And um, in high school, I just started tinkering around more and more and more and uh, eventually found a tech school, um, went to tech school, uh, graduated from there, did great, 
um, and just always worked my way up from kind of shop to shop and uh, piece to piece, just learned and learned and learned. Um, but but cars have just been something I've always been passionate for. Um, I've always been a, a tinkerer, so it, it just came naturally. Is that, I mean, did you know kind of as soon as you were kind of of that age in high school, like you knew that working in auto was what you wanted to do? Um, I had a pretty good idea. I mean, it was just always, it, it, it came easy. So, you know, sometimes you just take the path of least resistance. Yeah. And I, I know that you wouldn't brag on yourself, but I know that you're actually a really talented technician. Um, what kind of vehicles do you, do you work on and you have expertise with? Um, I, I've worked on a, a spread of European cars, um, but I, I would say most of my focus would be an Audi, Volkswagen, and Porsche. Um, but, you know, being in a European shop, you always end up working on some BMWs and you get very familiar with those as well. But my specialty would definitely be Volkswagen, Audi, and Porsche. Awesome. Now, how long were you a technician before uh, you were part of your first shop? see probably around 07 until 17 so about years roughly yeah so you 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 had a lot of experience going into um into stepping into a, an ownership role um on how to fix vehicles yeah for sure yeah so um i want to actually on this interview talk through your most recent shop uh, I know that uh, you were uh, in a partnership that ended uh, recently, and I know that you have started from scratch and, and really uh, built something from the ground up. And I think that exploring that today would be really good. So, Glenn, when the partnership ended, um, what did you contemplate doing after that? Like, did you know immediately that you wanted to open another shop? Um, what did what was that mindset like initially? I actually didn't know. Um, I knew the the risk um, that it takes to open a shop. Um, I didn't have a lot of funds. Uh, so th- there was a lot of contemplation about, um, do I just train technicians? It's something I've always been passionate for. Um, I, I thought maybe, do I just do diagnostic service? Do I just do... Uh, mobile service of some site. Um, it, it's it's hard to say what I even thought. I was just planning something, um, knowing that I had a family to support and other things to keep going. I just had a lot on my mind at that time. It was it was just back and forth thinking. How long did you stay in that that period before you made that decision? It took me about six to eight weeks before I, you know, from the time things had ended to where I had made up my mind that I needed to really get going on this shop situation. It, it, it was about a week time. And I had a lot of motivation from a mentor that just kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. So it just, it still took eight weeks for me to even formulate something in my head. Yeah. So once you, you made that decision, like, was it this, what was it like emotionally? Were you like, all right, I'm ready. I'm motivated. Was there fear? Like, what did that look like? Um, 
I kind of fell into it into a weird position where um, I had I had clients that had been customers of mine for you know such a long time that they reached out to me right away and just said, "Hey, you know, will you fix this for me? Will you fix that for me?" And I didn't really have the space, so um, I I messed around doing it at my house for a couple of days, and I knew how that was going to go. Um, I found a, a friend who had a, a detailing business at the time, and I I asked him, "Hey, how are things going with the detailing business?" And they just they weren't doing very well, and there was nothing that I could do for them at the time because I just I, I had too much of my own stuff going, but I knew that they had a spare bay in their detailing shop with a lift in it. And I said, hey, I'll split the rent with you guys, and I'm just going to fix some cars over here. And, you know, the first job was a big job, and it just kind of spurred me right into it. So it really wasn't, you know, out the gate, I'm going to go, you know, get a building and, and, and do a formal shop. It was really just, it sounds like kind of an evolution. Like, all right, I'm doing it on my own. It's, it, you know, I'm running out of room. Let me go get this other bay. Uh, what happened next? Like, how did it continue to evolve? So I, um, I took on that first job and just from there, I just thought to myself, you know what, if I can just get a couple of these cars a month, I know my numbers. If I if I just factor in what I need to survive and you know what I'm gonna need to to pay here and how can I make a little bit of extra in the middle and just try to stack that up a little bit, one one piece at a time, one little building block. And I just, you know, that first job was a, a good timing job on an Audi. So we know they they do well. You can turn it around pretty quickly. And it just spurred me to just reach out to a couple of people. Hey, do you need anything, you know, here for you if you need it. And it just took off next thing you know, there's a couple cars a day. And next thing you know, I had eight, nine cars sitting outside in the parking lot. And I just started getting it done and getting it done and getting it done. And it, it took a couple of months before things kind of came online. Um, I marketed mostly through like uh, some social media stuff, just uh, in car groups, and reached out for some some clients, and people came through, and it worked, and it just started gaining more and more traction. And once I realized that I had you know cars coming in every day, um, a technician I had worked with before approached me and said, "Hey, you know, I, I'd like to work for you again," and we just started hitting it off and it was just car after car after car. And we were able to get it to the point where I could turn about $40,000 through that one bay a month. And with very little overhead was able to kind of just put a little bit of money away, a little bit of money away every month. And I did that for about six months. And then was when I got more serious about this is going to be what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. These are the numbers. This is what I need to do. A lot of risk factoring, you know, what if I get a building and it doesn't work? What if I get a building in the wrong location? What if it takes too long for the marketing? And I came across a deal. And when the deal popped up, I, I hadn't, 
every notion in me to say, you know, don't do it. But I just kept kept going and I showed up and things started evolving. How did you keep going? I think it was actually having a lot of uh, just constant mentoring pressure. Um, I had a mentor that just would not give up, just relentlessly, just, you know, every day, where's my money at? How'd you do today? What's the deal? What's going on? What happened with that other building acquisition? What happened with that other uh, guy who didn't answer you twice? What happened with this? What happened with that? And um, and having some people to just vent to, it's just talking it out every single day. Um, support at home, just that sort of stuff just made it happen. Was there any point when you considered giving up? Um, absolutely. There was just, I mean, there was some jobs that didn't go right. Went backwards on cash a little bit. This didn't go right. That didn't go right. Um, at one point I, I had found a building, not the one I'm in now, but I had found a building and I had even written and signed a lease with this person. When I went to go look at the building after signing the lease and found out that the building just floods. Hmm. And I was like, this is it. Like I'm, I'm done doing these deals. And I, I had a really great um, attorney and she was like, Oh, don't worry about the lease. I'll get you out of this. No problem. Uh, but it just, I was ready to be <laughs> done with looking for a building. Finding real estate in that time was just really bad. Um, it was about 30 shops I looked at. So it, it took some time. Glenn, it seems to me that, you know, one thing that was important for your process, you know, you mentioned earlier, you didn't have a ton of cash. You couldn't just go open a shop right out the gate of, you know, a traditional shop and, and you hustled. I mean, you were turning wrenches, you were kind of doing everything Then you brought somebody in, you really bootstrapped in a way that allowed you to stack cash so that you could do the next thing. Uh, was that a strategy that, you know, your mentor helped you develop? Was that something that just kind of happened naturally? Because I, I think, you know, in my observation, there's some people that just will go out and, you know, they'll go straight to a shop out the gate before they've really proven the concept. What, what caused you to do it differently? Um, it was really a, a process that I learned from a coaching company. Um, and that was front of the step, back of the step. And once I had really gotten down the concept, front of the step, back of the step, um, I knew that it was just like a building block at a time. And if you can set it up like that and just start to break it down financially um, in a time span, um, in the amount of effort, and, it, and you put everything into that front of the step, back of the step mentality, you can really just build off building block, building block, building block fast. And it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of time. Um, but you have to have that mindset and, um, you know, uh, my mentor kind of having the same mindset as well, just, you know, Hey, do this, then do this. And if this doesn't work, do this. And that's what made it a lot easier. And it made it 
develop fast was just keep your costs low, get something that makes you more money, keep your costs low, get something that makes you more money and just grow on it and grow on it and grow on it. It took a, it took a lot of discipline um, in that time period to just make that happen and a lot of constant reminders and, you know, some advice from some peers and, but it, it just, it was a, a building piece and it took some time to really get that into um, a flow as well. Um, there were some steps backwards, um, but it, it, it just, it progressed quickly. One thing that I, I notice with people that are, are basically like a one man show, you know, for a while is there's this um, period where a lot of them get stuck because they're so in the day-to-day. They're, they're spending so many hours completing the jobs or selling the work or both that they don't have enough headspace to actually be able to work on the business side of things. How did you keep from getting stuck in that place? Um, it was, it was pretty tough to be honest with you. Um, it, being a technician comes easy for me. Um, it's, it's just easy. I'll just go fix a car real quick. Um, but realistically it was hiring that technician, um, and having him on a commission based pay plan right off the jump. I didn't want to take anything away from him. And that really helped me to say, all right, I just have to feed this guy. And now that I can feed this guy and he's good, you know, what extra can we do here and here and here and here? And it just, it was a, again, just a lot of discipline. It it took a lot to say, no, you're not the one that fixes the car. Go ahead, go look at this building today. Or no, you know, you're not the one fixing the car. You know, try to find, get a hold of another vendor, make parts deliveries a little easier. Uh, Just whatever it took, um, being disciplined with a little bit of time every day. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from growing is they get stuck in that position where they have to fix the car. And if you don't have to fix the car, you can find a lot of stuff to do. Did you ever, when you're bringing this guy on, did you struggle with, is he as good as me? Is is he going to have comebacks? Like, was there a trust issue or... You know, did you feel like you you could trust this guy out the gate? I he had already proven himself to me, um, so there was no. That was another thing that helped. I mean, find somebody you're confident in. I mean, if you don't have the confidence yourself, so yeah. it it makes it easier. Um, and you know, when you have some buy in from somebody, it's so much easier to be confident. So no, I didn't have to, I had already had buy-in. He already knew what I was capable of. I already knew what he was capable of. And that made it easy. Um, I don't think it would have been nearly as easy had I not had confidence in that technician. What, what did you do to help him have buy-in? Because I mean, taking a step back at this point, you didn't have a real building, you know, you're working out of a, a one bay, um, you know, this is not a formal shop yet at this point. How did you help him understand what was going to happen here? 
Um, that was where kind of laying out the vision for where it was going to go started to really happen. Um, I, I, I had, you know, worked on a logo and I worked on some stuff, but I, I didn't have like the formal plan. And the formal plan was where things started to really come together. I said, you know, I don't have the right building yet, but I have this space. That's enough to feed you and make sure you're good. I have enough customers. I have enough people. Um, I have enough connections. It, at this point, it was, where are we going to go in six months? Where are we going to go in a year? And how are we going to get there? And I just started working backwards from the goal. So if the goal was to, you know, have a shop that does X revenue, how many cars, how many bays, how many technicians, how many service writers? And I just started taking the plan and just fanning it out from the top of the pyramid instead of building it up from the bottom of the pyramid. And uh, if you work backwards on the goal, I mean, you just, okay, well, we now we need a building. We, we're going to need an advisor. We're going to need a technician. We're going to need these tools. We're going to need this space, this parking, this much marketing, this many people. And it's... It's easy to build off. You got to scale it into a way that you can actually have confidence into it. How did you, so you, you built this plan and, and it's, you know, I know you, it was a big vision and you're continuing to grow into that. How do you keep from, I'm going to say, maybe for lack of a better term, like jumping the gun uh, and maybe buying a piece of equipment that doesn't make sense yet or... Um, you know, bringing on an employee before it's time. So I, I think that's a struggle that a lot of people deal with is knowing when to make those different jumps and hires. I, I jumped the gun on multiple occasions. Um, it wasn't, there was no knowing when to, to do something. It was, hey, mentor, do you think this is a good idea? And trying it out. I mean, it just, a lot of, just working through it. I mean, I, like I said, I signed a lease on a building that fills up with water, um, bought some equipment that has already been replaced. Um, just overpaid for some things and underpaid for others. It just, you can't spend your whole time second guessing it. If you're going to spend your whole time second guessing it, you're going to find yourself in the same position for longer and longer and longer. You've got to make action. And if you don't take that little bit of action, you're going to be stuck. I was stuck. Yeah, so you're you're saying really calculated risk and just taking action over perfection. Absolutely. There's there's really no time to perfect much of anything. Um you know, you 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 create a process to do something, and it's different next week. You've got to be adaptable. You've got to work through the flow. It doesn't it doesn't come easy, and it 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 doesn't come fast for most people. So just make an action, do it, and and you got to ride with your decision you made. You got to stand behind it too. So if it works or doesn't work. What were some things that didn't go well in the process? There's quite a few things that didn't go well. 
There was, yes, there was no parts that could get delivered to that shop. Um, so I had all the parts delivered to my house and ran back and forth to the house a couple times a day. The shop wasn't in a great neighborhood, so getting clients to kind of bring a nice car into a not-so-great neighborhood was difficult. Um, sharing a space with another business, which is just difficult in itself. I mean, most people have a hard time getting along with each other, let alone, you know, hey, I'm going to use this half over here and you use that half over here and it all work out, especially as I was going from like one car a day to 10 cars sitting in the parking lot, taking up 90% of the parking lot. Um, there was a lot of difficulties. There was um, no internet connection at that building. Um, no land phone line at that building. Um, there was, there was lots of, lots of issues. Um, the neighborhoods in a pretty high crime rate area. There's, you know, Locking stuff up every single day, taking, you know, taking tools, valuable tools home every day. It just, it took a lot of little steps every single day to make that work. Um, I can't say how many customers said to me, like, is it even safe to leave my car here? Wow. What I'm hearing, Glenn, that just impresses the heck out of me is I think each one of those things a lot of people would have said, oh, this isn't going to work. I can't overcome this. This is too hard. And every single one of those that could have been an excuse, you just found a way. I, I think it's easier to find a way um, when your back's against the wall. So, I mean, that was the option. Take it or leave it. Um, explain to customers that, you you know, the car's in your care, not in everybody else's care. Um, just Talk yourself through it. I mean, if you could talk yourself through it, you can talk somebody else through it. Let's talk through the transition from working in that one bay shared space. You had looked at a ton of buildings, signed that one lease, that fell through. Tell us about moving into this other location. What how did you find it? Did you negotiate? You know, what did all that look like? So I had been looking um, for quite some time and I had gotten to a position where I could have that technician wrenching and go look um, for a little bit of time each day. And um, whether it was on, you know, LoopNet or, you know, Marketplace or Craigslist, I was just looking through places every day. I had a realtor looking and it had gotten to the point where I just tried to get creative and you know, I'd always remembered that the grassroots stuff always got you to places that, you know, you can pay people that it'll never get you. And I'll tell you what. Oh, it's it was super important. And um, I had said to the tool guys, I said, listen, I'll pay you guys. Find me a shop like find me. Find me the most washed up shop owner that just wants to leave his space. And um, you know, I kept getting the same answers. Well, I'll look for you. But, you know, I don't know what what's out there right now. And what that meant was, you know, if something falls into place, I'll let you know. But if not, I'm not really going to push for you. And, and that was fine. I didn't expect anybody to go do it for me. But one day, um, 
my Maco tool rep calls me up and he says, Hey man, I know you've been looking. I've got, I found a good space for you. The guy's entire staff quit. And I'm like, okay. Um, so he's like, you got to get down there. Here's the guy's phone number. Here's the guy that owns the building. Um, here's the deal. So I had called the guy up and um, just kind of gave it to him straight. Hey, I heard your building is uh, empty right now. You don't have any technicians. Um, you know, how can we make this work? And I went down there and we had a meeting. And I realized he was ready to be out. He owned a heavy uh, truck and equipment, you know, sort of like a big diesel shop. And um, they work on a lot of big stuff. And he had kind of formulated this auto care center um, a couple buildings away from one of his truck buildings. And had done okay with it for about 10 years, but he was, he was ready to be done with the car stuff. And he's very successful in what he does, but it seems as if that's a lot of his focus and the auto care side wasn't as much of a focus for him. And so he was, he was ready to be out and we started working up a deal that night. It took um, a little bit of time. I kind of let him, simmer on the deal I had presented and the probably two or three days later, there was a visitor at the the shop at the detailing shop and I didn't know who it was. Um, so I went right, right back over there. Um, I believe I was on the way to go get some parts and uh, it was the landlord at the new building. So he said to me, um, Hey, you know, I just wanted to meet you. And he was a super straight shooter. And that's kind of when I got the confidence that the deal was going to happen. Cause I saw that like, not only was this guy interested, but the landlord's interested. I just was able to see it becoming possible. And, um, we finalized the deal. Um, obviously had, you know, an attorney look over it and, I didn't want to get into a bad lease like I had already signed. And so um, the, the price was right. Um, I was able to get the uh, gentleman to owner finance me all of the equipment, his customer list and his phone number. And I knew that I had already had the ability to turn $40,000 a month out of a one bay shop. I mean, if I had four bays, what could I do? And I'd already had the vision. I'd already had, you know, one or two people lined up, ready to go. And that's when things started to fall into place a little bit more as I, I went each day. And the place was pretty dirty. Um, it hadn't been cleaned up much. Um, and I knew it was going to be work to get this thing up and running. And I, I, finalized the lease and things once they, once I had gotten the confirmation that things were good to go and the lease was signed and everybody was on board, it was go time. So I was over here after hours every day. 
over here on the weekend, just cleaning, um, getting rid of old garbage, pressure washing, painting, um, replacing ceiling tiles, um, ripping old signage down. Um, there was, there was even a crazy turn of events where I had taken some cars from the one bay shop over to the nuke shop. And there was a ramp on the side of the building. And I always thought, man, that ramp is kind of steep, but I'll make it work. And I pulled a car onto it and it just got stuck on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this isn't going to work. I called up one of my, my buddies and he's like, don't worry about it, man. We'll figure it out with concrete. And we hand mixed thousands of pounds of concrete and build a ramp. And it just, it's still working great. And just figuring it out step by step, trying to figure out what it was going to take to get this thing going. And it took three weeks, four weeks of just grueling through it. Um, Had all sorts of people come and help me. Uh, People that I never expected to be able to even make it there. People from all over the country. And it just, it was awesome. And I was incredibly grateful for all the people that just really helped make that happen. Cause that three to four weeks was grueling. Um, a lot of stress. This isn't going to be ready. That's not going to be ready. Um, and it, it was interesting. It was an interesting process. Um, but we got it done and we opened it up. Um, I didn't even think when I made my opening day, but I made my opening day on Memorial day. Hmm. And I'm like, People aren't even going to show up and people showed up and it was cool. That's amazing. <clears throat> I want to dig into a few specifics here. So, you know, w- one of the things that I I'm hearing is that, you know, from the beginning of this transaction, you know, you were, you were trying to do it the right way. You know, you, you were negotiating. How did you learn how to do that stuff? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I learned to do that. That just, I've always been a talker and um, I think I just really saw what the guy wanted. And once I knew what he wanted, I knew what I wanted. And it was just, how do I make both parties happy? Um, I've, I've read a couple books. There's some really good stuff. Um, a book called never split the difference or really change your mindset on how that works. It just, um, it was interesting. It, it just happened. Another thing that I'm, I'm hearing is that you really tapped into your network. You said people from all over the country came. I guess one, how, how did you, how did you ask for help? Cause I, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like they need help, but they don't either know how, or they're scared to. What was that like for you? Just being really upfront with people and saying, you know, hey, I don't know how I'm going to make this work and listening, um, seeing what people offer. And then, you know, I just. You have to be upfront with people and tell them, hey, things aren't great. This isn't how I'm going to, you know, get to where I need to be. This is what I need to change. And, you know, surrounding yourself with really great people is like step one. You have to be surrounded with people. You, you can't go into a venture like this surrounded with people that just don't believe in the same vision that you have. 
you know, which is success for you, whatever you view that as. But people have to have peers and and friends that just are good people. You can't you can't be in the same position with the same people year after year after year and expect anything to change. So surrounding myself with just great people made it easy. Those people wanted to see me do well. They wanted to help. And I didn't have to ask. I just kind of told people where I was and what I was doing. And, you know, that old saying, if you build it, they'll come. You cast the vision to everybody involved and they came. Yeah. It, It just, I didn't ask for help. They showed up. It's amazing, man. It says a lot about you, who you are. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me effortlessly increase car count. And that's something that, you know, you talked about discipline earlier. Like, you know, you had that discipline to be able to do really, really hard, sucky things in the beginning of this process to be able to reap rewards later. And I think that, you know, so many times when there isn't that discipline or that ability to be disciplined or that desire to be disciplined, you know, things just don't go as fast. And I think that part of that too is being disciplined enough to build a vision on the front end that you can speak out loud to other people and really cause them to pull in. So I... Absolutely. It's amazing, man. So got the negotiation done, got the lease signed. You know, you, you took some time to, to get everything built out the way you wanted it. Um, you negotiated that equipment in. So, you know, things were still scrappy at this point. What happened next? Um, I had two 20-year-old technicians and myself. And they're, they were 100% bought in. And we opened it up on month one, and there was some pent-up demand from that shop that was pre-existing um, that had been closed for you know quite a few weeks. And I knew that we were going to have some cars. Um, what I did not know was that about 120 cars were going to show up and that we would turn right around $100,000 in that first month. It was just long nights um, working with them, showing them, hey, do this, do this, don't do this. And just selling to customers, calling customers back even at like eight, nine o'clock at night, just letting them know, hey, this is where we're at and just grinding it out. And that first month um, blew it up. It gave me the money back I needed to market. I stayed disciplined, didn't take any of that extra money for myself, just kept putting it back in. 
and letting it grow and uh, reached out to some marketing folks, people that were able to get me some AdWords help right away. Um, I started with a mail campaign and um, it just started growing and growing and growing from there. Let's take a step back for a second. You had $100,000 in revenue in your first month in this location. How did you, how did you create an environment where that happened? Like, I mean, you said there was some pent up demand, but did you market to your existing customers? Did you, you know, send out blasts? Like, how did you out the gate have that much momentum? I singly texted every single customer that I had been working with for the last six months. Wow. Um, That's some blast. Like, you personally... Texted. Yeah, personally texted, yeah. Um, created a couple Facebook posts, um, and organically, that first Facebook post had like five thousand views in like two or three hours. I don't, it just, it worked for some reason, and um, people were viewing it, people were liking it, sharing it, and there was some social media attraction, and um, I put new signs up. You know, people have been driving by. Um, there is a lot of road traffic here. Um, so finding a location with road traffic will help you significantly. Um, and they all have to stop in front of us. So that makes it easy. Um, people started seeing more cars show up there. And it just, it it had like the busy restaurant effect. Um, people saw a lot of cars showing up there. So they were like, well, I guess I'll go check this out. And it worked. It worked really well. Do you feel like that first month uh, were things chaotic internally? Do you feel like you had things, you know, systems and processes in place? What was that like? It was absolutely chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Um, what it, so walk us through kind of how you you worked through that. Uh, <laughs> I think it was just getting frustrated and going. I am not going to deal with this for long. Like I'm not going to put up with this every single day, the way that this is. So, um, I, you know, I'd already been with, um, you know, shop fix. And so I had the board system mentally down. I had, um, you know, tried to be all digital. That did not work at all. And I just needed to have paper systems. Mm. And once paper systems set up once we had the board up you know once i created a little bin for parts it was just it started getting a little easier and a little easier and a little easier and the next month was not nearly as chaotic and the following month wasn't as chaotic it didn't happen right away like you put a system in and you're still trying to teach people how to use it for three weeks or four weeks um but it it gradually got there um it was very nerve wracking financially watching all that money I had just built up for the past, you know, six, seven months, just like draining and draining. And then all of a sudden it was like coming back. So there was like some hope there. So first month, 100K chaos, you're starting to build systems, which by the way, I, I think it's really cool the way that you, it sounds like you built the systems based on kind of what was happening and, and adjusted and evolved those. Um, what did month two look like revenue-wise? So month two, we took a little bit of a step down to about uh, 95000 
Um, it was it was no less dollars per car. It was just less cars. Um, so that's why I say there was some demand when I opened that. Um, and so that's when I started to push more. Hey, I don't want this to just keep going backwards. Um, I need to market. And I had some money from that first month, um, put some money at marketing, um, gave it an AdWords budget and right away more phone calls every single day. So then the phone calls started building up and we started just working through it. Um, finished at 95,000 on the second month, third month hit a hundred thousand again, fourth month. Um, actually that third month was about 110. Um, and now we're in our fifth month having, we just had two back to back $50,000 weeks. Wow. Blend. That's amazing, so, man. I mean, fifth month in and you're already turning those kind of numbers. That's not common. That's amazing, man. No, it's, it's, we've added people. So now we're at five months in, four technicians, two service advisors, and myself. So, and a healthy marketing budget, a good marketing plan, like, laid out for the rest of the year, what that looks like. And, um, it's working, working really well. Yeah, I, I would say so. So things are going really well. That discipline has paid off. And you are seeing the fruit of that. You've got a good team. You've cast to the vision. You have a lot of people supporting you. What does the future look like for you? Um, I've got some pretty, pretty big dreams. Um, you know, the one of the personal goals of mine has always been to open a school. So um, it takes a lot to get there um, to be able to do that um, financially, um, a lot of time capital. Um, a lot of people capital. Um, and so the vision that I have is, you know, a couple of stores, um, a school, and I'd like to scale the school thing. I'd like to see multiple schools um, that are able to kind of help, you know, trouble kids, um, people who, you know, uh, just got the opportunity to really learn to work with their and um, kind of doing it from a different perspective than you've seen tech schools do things over the years. Um, I'd like to teach kids more of the the why and the how um, and, and really get hands-on training. Um, there's not a lot of really great hands-on training. Um, so I've got a big vision for all that sort of stuff. Um, but the, the, the real goal is a school. That's so needed, man. We, we are facing such an issue with not having enough technical training, whether it's automotive repair, plumbing, electrical. Um, that's something that we need to make a shift as as the country is put value back into those trades. And so I, I love your vision, Glenn. I, I think that it's so needed. And knowing you and knowing what you're capable of, I have no doubt you're going to accomplish it. I, I don't have any doubts either. I just uh, don't know the trajectory and how it all happens, but 
you know, we'll figure that out as we go, just kind of how we did already. Absolutely. So we've got one more very important question for you. Okay. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Dark green, 95 Carrera 2S. Why that vehicle? It's raw. It's visceral. It's, you know, pre-nannies. It's, it's naturally aspirated. It's well-balanced. And... It could be mean. So it's it. I think that's probably it. Um, Yeah, that's a good nine nine three Carrera two S dark green. It's a good one. Maybe with a tan interior. Heck yeah, that'll look good. Yeah, Glenn, I am so grateful that you took the time to spend with us today. Um, You have given so much insight that I think. So many people are going to be able to take and implement and be successful in their own. So I'm proud of you. You've done an amazing job. I can't wait to see how things progress. And, you know, let's have you back in a bit when we got the school going and we'll keep talking this out. Awesome. Thank you. That was my interview with Glenn Todd. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. To help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.